0: Last week, some of you guys weren't here because it was so blustery out, Um, but uh, now we're back except we're hitting a three-day weekend, so some people still aren't here, but thanks for coming this morning because it's always good to be here, to be the church, to find out what God's going to do, to find out what he has for us, right? So you guys ready? Because he always has something for us, doesn't he? Man. Did you guys get up this morning? He always has something for us, right? Yes. Yeah. So let's do his stuff. Um, so we have, uh, last week we started, and uh, we started a new series, and we are looking at the question, what is the church? And um, last week what we found out is that God doesn't see the church as a building. He doesn't see the church as like a program that we do here. He doesn't see the church as even just a group of people that happen to get together because we believe some of the same things, right? God says that his church, his church is that group of people that he gathers, he calls together, he authorizes, and empowers to do his work, right? So when we come together, we come together because God has called us, and we come together to do his work. We come to de- together to do the work that we talked about last week, which is the work of worship, The work of being the body of Christ, caring for each other. The work of of just being transformed by his spirit, of listening to his voice. That work of prayer and then that work as we go into the world of making Jesus known and uh, doing right, showing the kingdom of God, right? That's the church. That's who we are. That's what we're here for. So that's you. That's me. That's what we're here for. That's what we get together for every week And uh, we come together to do the work of the kingdom. In the Bible, there is no clearer kind of picture of what that work is, and there's no clearer picture or description of who the people that come together to do that work, of who they are, than is found in the book of Ephesians. And so we're going to look at the book of Ephesians and Ephesians 2. Uh, If you'd stand with me, we're going to look at Ephesians 2, verse 12 and 13, and then we're going to skip to... Uh, verse 19 through 22. It's gonna zero in on this description of the people who you know, are the church. Um, and we need to pay attention to this because this is talking about us. Okay, so listen to these words. This is God talking to us saying, this is who we are. Remember that you were at that time, this is prior to you knowing Christ, you were at that time apart from Christ, separated from him excluded from the national life of God's people Israel. Now, sometimes when I go in, you're not gonna find these actual words in the Bible because there's a word, and I've, I took years to be able to serve you guys better by able to look at some of these words and say, you know what he's really talking about? He's saying, there is a national life that we were excluded from. There was a life of being God's people, not just as a people, but as a nation, as a, a way that we operate. And we were excluded from that. Uh, Israel was a part of that, but we weren't a part of that. We were foreigners to the covenants of promise. We had no hope and without God in the world. But now, but now, united to Christ Jesus, you who were formerly far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So then, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's own household, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole building, being fitted together, is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. Okay, so at the end of this passage also, we see this, this picture of this building again, right? And God said. Well, God said that the church isn't a building, but here he's talking about a building, but this is a very different building because like it says in 1 Peter, we're the stones. Your life, my life, we are the stones that are being shaped so that we become, when we come together, we become that place where God is known, where the, the Holy Spirit dwells among us and that people come in and when they encounter this gathering... He says it can be that they encounter the very person of God through his Holy Spirit. Do you guys know that? That's who the church is. And we're the church. We're the church. So the church is not about a building or about a program or anything like that. The church is really about the people, the people that God has called together. So if you're gonna answer the question, what is the church? You also have to look at the question, who is the church? So that's what we're gonna look at today. We're gonna look at who is the church? What are these, these stones? What are these lives? What do they look like? What are we called to? These lives that God is building into this, this dwelling place for his own presence, amen? Father, this morning, uh, we, we always need a glimpse of you. We come into worship because we are, we are looking for you. We are, we are wanting to see the heavens, um, really that, that veil that sometimes stands between us, that clutter that stands between us and, and seeing your face and experiencing your presence. We wanna see you remove that because we always need to see you. But Father, part of what you have said that we need to see you, the reason that we need to see you is because we also, in seeing you, we understand who we are and what we're here for and what it means to be yours, what it means to be your people, your your child, what it means to be your church. And we need to see that today too. We can't see that on our own. All the philosophies that this world has come up with, none of them came up with this idea that somehow we are the very living uh, temple that houses your Holy Spirit. Because we we wouldn't have come up with that on our own. You have to tell us, you have to show us, you have to shape us so that we can become these things and empower and authorize us so that we might be your church. So Father, this morning, we ask that your spirit would be here, that he would do his work. That our eyes and our ears would be open, that our hearts would be available to you to speak to, to shape, to not just inform, not just fill our minds with facts, but to actually do that work of shaping us so that we become one of those living stones, one of those, those pieces of that dwelling place of God because we're your church and we're your people. stand in humility and thankfulness and awe of what you've done but we lean forward into what you're doing and what you're calling us to be a part of. So we lift all of this up to you. We pray these things in your name. Father, for your glory, in the name of your son, Jesus, by the power of your spirit, amen. Amen, have a seat. Have you ever been, uh, let's say, at a restaurant or at a store and you're standing with a group of people and usually it's with a group of friends and and somebody will turn and usually they're joking, you're hoping that they're joking, but they they turn to you and they say, because you've been waiting a while, right? And they go, don't they know who you are, right? And you're going, no, they don't know, right? They don't, go tell them who you are, right? Go go tell them who you are, because then, as if that's gonna move things along, Right? Because usually, no, they don't know who we are. And even if they did know who they are, they wouldn't care who we are, right? Because who we are usually is not a big deal in most of the places that we walk in. Now, if, if I were the owner of a company and I walked into that company, that'd be a big deal. It would matter who I was. If I were a major client or if I were a major donor and I walked into a, a certain place, then th- that might be a big deal. But most of the time... Isn't this true? We're just kind of one more low-level customer in a long, what seems like to them, an endless line of endless you know, low-level customers. And so it doesn't matter who we are. But if you really read the book of Ephesians, if you really read there, if you really read in many other places in God's word, you start to realize that God asks us the same question. It's a little bit different form, but he says, do you know who you are? Do you even know who you are? Because if we knew who we are, if we knew who we have been created to be by the power and the work of the Holy Spirit, by the sacrifice and the work of Jesus Christ, on the basis and because of the love and the persistence of our Father in heaven, if we knew who we were, we would know that is a big deal. We would know that that matters. So do we know who we are? And if we knew what we are a part of, if we knew what it meant to be the church, we would know that's a really big deal. So who is the church? What does it mean to be a a life, a part of this thing called the church? Well, one of the uh, aspects of this question, one of the aspects is, is easy to answer right? Because it's God, God tells us. He just describes it in his word. So he says, um, as the church, you know what? We are the lost who have now been found, right? Now, some of you guys have stories where you're going, yeah, I know that. I know what it meant to be lost. I know what it meant to be just wandering. And I know what it meant that God found me. Some, some of us know what it means when he says, you know what? You were filthy in your sin. You were just covered. You, and you knew it and he has washed you clean. Some of you, when you came to Christ, you, you knew what it felt like. For it. it was almost like just going through this shower where it just, everything, it was just this slime that just seemed to just pour off of you because of how he cleaned you. We know that we are sinners who have been forgiven. We are those who are far away from God, who didn't have access to him, who have been brought near. We, were, we are the, those who were weak, who are now strong, those who were blind, who are now who can see. We are those who are enslaved to all kinds of things. We are those who were enslaved to our sins and to death. We were enslaved to the world. We were enslaved to our flesh. We were enslaved to the devil. And yet now we have been made those who are God's own children who walk in his freedom. How many of you guys know that? How many of you guys know that that is who you are? Because that's what the Bible, that's what God's word has said about this is who, this is who the church is, is those who were those things and have become these other things. And by faith, by faith, those truths have become our, our identity, our reality. That is who we are. By faith, we have received those things. By faith, we believe those things are true about us. By faith, we declare, we state those things about ourselves. And by faith, we can turn to those others who are in this place, who are a part of God's kingdom, and we can say to them, you too. You were lost, but now you're found, right? We look around at the other people around us and we encourage them because sometimes we get down, right? We forget We have to encourage each other, and we have to say, no, you too, you were were dead in your sins, but you have been made alive. Because that's what God has said. That's who the church is. And so in Ephesians 2, it says we need to remember. It says remember how at that time, what you were, but also remember who you are. Because you're the church. You're God's people. So remember that God's church God's church has always been made up, of, from the very beginning, it is always those who were at one time far from God, but have been brought near, who were at one time dead in their sins and separated from Christ, but now have become alive in Christ again and forgiven, who were at one time strangers to the covenants of promise, And so the church is those who, you need to remember what we once were, but also you need to remember who we now are because you are the people who are now, who have been brought near, who are citizens of heaven, who are members of God's own household. You guys, sometimes I'm, I'm saying stuff and I'm just feeling like spiritually, it's just not landing. You guys, I so want this to land. One of the things I said last week was one of the works that we do when we come together as a church, we do the work of worship, we do the work of prayer, we do the work of fellowship, we do the work of outreach, but we do the work of struggling with the the very word of God and making ourselves available so that he might shape us to be the people that we are, that he has called us to be, that he has called us out of that grave in order to be and to be alive. So do you know who you are? Do you know that you you are a citizen of heaven, that you are a member of God's own house? You are children of his who are called by his name and filled with his spirit. Do you know that? Do Do you know that's who you are? Do you see yourself as that is, is that who you know above all else yourself to be? Is that who you know yourself to be? Because, because sometimes when we remember, we seem to remember half the equation, but not the second half, right? That first half. We say, yeah, I was dead in my sin and I seem to still be dead in my sin, right? I was far from God and I, I feel like I'm still far from God. feel like, it seems like, I was, I was separated from the covenants of God's promises and I still seem to be out of the, the realm of God's, there doesn't seem to be anything for me to do among God's people. And in God's economy of his new, his new creation and his holy people and his, as a citizen, I don't seem to be that citizen with any, any real responsibility of any worth. I seem to be, and this is in spite of the fact that if you look back at your own story, you know, you know there was a point where you heard God's call And you responded in faith to that call and you said, yes, Lord, I need your forgiveness and I need your salvation. And you said, I receive your gift because he has said that if you have done that, he says, then you've been recreated. You've been transferred out of the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, that you've been made new, that there is this new creation, this new life. And his spirit has taken up residence in you. But there are times in spite of us knowing that that is a part of our story that we, we, we think of remembering as just remembering that first half and we ignore that second half. And he says, you need to remember who you were, but you need to remember who you are. Right? So remember. Now, now there may be somebody in here and, and you grew up maybe in a, a tradition and they called it the tradition, the, the Christian tradition and... and um, But all that you seem to have been taught, all that you remember at least, is that you were were never told about this relationship. You were never told about how God in Christ has taken us from being far and he's brought us near. You were never told that you could actually have a relationship with God as your father and you as his child. You've never been told that. And so you've gone through life and you've been thinking that this is all about like religion. This is all about being good enough or working hard enough. This is all about maybe hoping that maybe at the end that there's enough weighing to your favor that you kind of squeak through, that you get to sit on the outside, you get to live on the outside, kind of the, the suburbs of heaven, just kind of seeing the glow of the city from afar off. That's all you're hoping for because that's all that's been told to you. But I want you to know that God wants you to know who you are as well. Because do you know, in Ephesians 1, it says that, you know what, this this whole project of God called creation, right? And we look at it and it seems to be about 13 plus billion years old, right? It's been going on that long. And he said, you know what, before he even started that thing, before the first spark of that, before he spoke or breathed the first breath to speak the first word of creation, He had already intended, That's what Ephesians says, he'd intended that into being would come a a being, a people, a type of people that could be in relationship with him because he wanted to bring us into adoption as his own children. Before, Before creation began, that was his purpose. And he wants you to know, he wants you to know who you are. Do you know how loved you are, even when you're outside of Christ, how loved you are, how God has his focus fixed on you, that from before time began, again, he had planned on bringing you into relationship with him so that you too could be a part of this, this community of heaven, this people that makes known the glory of God, this people who gather and the Holy Spirit is there so that he can be experienced and known guys, we were were meant for this. So you say, who is the church? You guys, the church, the church, that's who we are. We are those who were intended before time began. We were were designed and created, paid for, bought, rescued, washed, reconciled, brought near, and now brought together so that we, (laughs) we would be those members of God's family those citizens of heaven, so that we might join with God in this amazing work that he is doing, this work that we saw Jesus begin, this work of of rescue, this work of release, this work of redemption, this work of blessing, this work of transformation. That's who the church is. We're those who, through, through God in his mercy, even just making it known, we realize who we are and who we were always meant to be. We are meant to be his. We are meant to be his friends, his companions, his children, his beloved. That's who we are meant to be. Do you know who you are? Do you guys know that? That's, that's what we wrestle with. That, that's kind of heavy, isn't it? I mean, that's what God's word says. And that's what we have to come together and wrestle with because we come in here and we go, man, I don't feel like that. We'll wrestle with it because that's what God says you are. That's what he says about you. We come in here and we say, well, I don't seem to be experiencing that. Well, you gotta wrestle with that because that's who God says. It doesn't matter what you seem to experience. That's who God says, this is true about who you are. Because when, when people respond to him in faith, when people respond and receive the gift that is offered in Jesus Christ and say, yes, God, I, I need that forgiveness. I need to be, I need to be realigned with you. He says, that's who he makes us to be. We're his people, we're his church. His Holy Spirit is seen in this place because he's here. So is that who you know yourself to be? You guys, when we're citizens of heaven, another thing happens too. Because when we're citizens of heaven, it it would make sense that as citizens of heaven, we would... um, we would our first allegiance would be to that country, which is our home. Doesn't that make sense? Right? So all of our efforts, all of our, our thoughts, all of our best would go towards that. And uh, it wouldn't go towards necessarily this world or his kingdoms. We wouldn't be chasing the same things that we see people chasing in this world. Right? We would be going for the riches of heaven, not necessarily the riches of, of this world. In fact, Jesus uh, when he was speaking to Matthew, he said, you can't serve God in money. You can't do it. In, in 2 Corinthians, Paul writes down, he says, he says, what fellowship, what, what, what in common does light have with darkness? The, the, you can't be both. James would talk about you can't get water from a spring that's both salty and, and clean. Jesus, when he was praying to the Father, he said, Father, I don't ask you to take them out of the world. They're gonna be in the world, but... They're not of it. Because who we are, we're now now these, our home is in heaven. Our nature, God has remade our nature. Our nature is is from above. It's it's of him. And so we're children who have been reborn. We're born anew in the spirit of God and our interests are eternal. They're not just this temporary. So again, we say, well, is that who we see ourselves to be? We have this problem where we try and we try and have this dual citizenship, right? Right, don't we? We try and live in the world and we try and live in God's world. We try and, in fact, but I want you to think about this. When, if, because these two realms, it's not just that they exist, but they're actually, I mean, they're opposed to each other. They are at odds. There's a war going on between, you can't hold dual citizenship and work for the the, the good of both of two, two parties that are at that are odds with each other. But God says his, his kingdom and the kingdom of this earth are, are in complete opposition to one another and what they seek. But there are times that we try, and, we, we try and do this dual citizenship where we try and kind of gain something. We try and leverage what God has given us in Christ and maybe get thing, make things better for ourselves here and seek the things of this world. But what do you call... What do you call a a citizen of one kingdom who seems to work for the agenda and for the the good of and for the advancement of of the kingdom that is actually in opposition to their home? What do you call that? Even at the detriment of their own kingdom, at the detriment of their own people. What do you call that? Okay, at worst, we call it traitor. At best, we'd call it ignorant, right? You might accidentally, you might just be thinking, you might just not know any better. Now, I wanna tell you guys something, right? Because traitor's a heavy word. (laughs) I don't wanna leave that one ringing here because, you know, in Christ, the nature that you've been given in Jesus, there's no room for traitor. There's no room for treachery. You've been given the the very heart and nature of God, our Father, and he is faithful beyond where we think he should stop. There's no traitor in him anywhere. There's no room for that in you. So this isn't about your nature. This must be about your knowledge. Do you know who you are? Have you forgotten? We're citizens of heaven. We're not even capable (laughs) in ourselves if we were really living out of the person that we are unless we've just forgotten. And God is saying, you know what? You need to know who you are. You need to remember so how do, we, how do we learn to be that person who we are in Christ, who Christ has made us to be? Well, throughout, throughout Scripture, there are these stories and they tell of these journeys that God takes people on and he calls them at one point and then they go through their whole life, this whole series of events to learn what that meant, right? Right. So even at creation, God creates and then he calls Adam and Eve and he says, I want you to be separate from creation, You're different because you're gonna be the ones who bear my image. And tell me if this isn't true throughout, since that moment that he told them and he created them that, we have been on this journey with God to figure out what it means to be the image bearers of God. We've been trying to figure that out for a long time. But he's teaching us. And then he comes along and, and here comes Abram. And he calls Abram out of his out of his home and away from his family. And he says, you know what, I'm gonna make you, I'm gonna bring you to a new land and I'm gonna make you a new people, a people who know me to be their God. And so Abraham goes through this whole you know, long journey to find out what that means to be the father of this new nation and what that means to be a father of those who are of that kind of faith. And the people that come out of him, Israel, they go through this whole journey to learn what does it mean to be the people of God. In fact, God at one point, he has to come in and he has to pull them out. He has to call them out of Egypt. And he says, I'm calling you out of, out of slavery and out, so that you'll not just know what it means to, for me to be your God, but for what it means that you are also my people. I want you to know how much I love you. I want you to know how much you're the apple of my eye. I want you to know that I am the God that will rescue you. So he leads them on that journey so they can experience it, so they can know it. Now, God has called us out. He's called us out so that in Jesus, we would be his church, his people. And we go on that journey with him, both as individuals to figure out what does it mean to be a member of the church, but also as a people to say, what does it mean? What does it mean to be the citizens of heaven that gather together to make him known and to do the business of the kingdom? So we're on that journey. So, I mean, think of this. It's like, it's like Jesus, it's like the, the creation story. It's like Jesus has reached into this, this creation that we see all around us, and he says, you know what, I wanna pull you out. I wanna teach you what it means to be different than that, a part of the new creation within, living out within this old creation, but being this new creation in me. He reaches into that and it's like with Abram and he says, it's Jesus, he comes to us and he calls us out and he says, I want you to be a new people who understand what it means that I'm your God, I'm your father, that you're of my nature, not not of the nature of this earth. It's like when when God came into Egypt, it's like Jesus came in and he says, you know what, I'm gonna pull you out of slavery because I want you to know, I want you to know that what it means that I am a God who loves you enough to come and rescue, to lay down whatever it takes to lay down, laying down my own life, in fact, to pull you out of the slavery that you're in. But in that too, he's saying, you know what, but you, you need to know, you need to leave that behind then because you're no longer citizens of that old thing. You're citizens of this new thing because that's who the church is. You're citizens of heaven. Your focus should be more on the world that's coming not on this world is passing. Your investment should be more in the world that is on its way and not on the world that's on its way out. That's what it means to be the church. Now, you know, sometimes we hear that and we go, wow, that sounds kind of rough because doesn't living out the kingdom, doesn't it, because how many of you guys, when you're sitting there and you're just going, you know, I thought we were supposed to do good in this world because it makes the world a better place right? And that would typically, right? And is that true? If we bring the world, if we bring the kingdom of heaven in, doesn't it make the world a better place? Yeah, so if you bring in God's healing, doesn't that make a better place? If you bring in God's kindness, if you bring in love as God intended, if you speak, the, doesn't that make this world a better place? Yes, it does. But what did Jesus also said? You know what? If you try and bring the kingdom in, it's kind of like if you have this old garment that's ripped and you take a new piece of cloth that's unshrunk and you patch it. And for a while it patches it. It seems to do better. It seems to take care of the problem. But then as that patch grows and as the strength of that patch and it starts pulling and it starts shrinking and shaping up to be what it is and it starts pulling against the old, it ends up actually, it makes a deeper rip than what you had before. So that's what the kingdom's like because that's the power that the kingdom comes with. So so does, does the kingdom bring good? Yeah, the kingdom brings good. Otherwise God wouldn't want it. But God isn't here to try and save this world so it'll be better. He's not here to salvage this world, so it'll be something we can just say, well, we don't need heaven anymore because we got this and we've made it all better. It's never gonna be all better. It can never be conformed to the kingdom. The kingdom's too strong. It's like that patch and it keeps pulling at and tearing at and then the old keeps ripping and shredding because it's old and it's broken and it's passing. It's passing. That's the power of the kingdom. You guys, do you realize that that's what happens when we pray? Yes, the good of the kingdom is brought in, but this world is shifted and torn just a little bit more. Do you know that that's what happens when we worship? Yes, God is known, but this world shudders and this world shakes just a little bit more and another tower falls down and things that are raised up against God's knowledge are brought down again. That's what happens when we decide to invest in each other's lives to find out what it does mean to be the new community of God's people rather than the old community of this world. Yes, good is brought in. But it also, this world shudders and it shakes because it's passing. So yeah, is good brought in? Yes. For a while, it looks good. It's like that patch and it tears. That's what it means to be the church. And who are the church? You're the church. You have responded to Jesus Christ. You have recognized what he said about what you were intended for from the beginning of creation. You who have said, yes, I need God and I need that forgiveness and I need that empowerment. I need that authority because I want to see that kingdom come he has opened your eyes so that you see this is where we're headed. This is what his intentions are and what we were intended for. You're the church. So question: another question we have to wrestle with is, are we ready to go on that journey? Are you ready to go on that journey with him? Are you ready to lean into that journey? And are we ready as a church to lean into that journey to say, what does it mean to be the church, to be the group of people that God has called so that we might come together and do the work of the kingdom. Are we ready to do that? That's what we wrestle with today. Because he said, that's what my intent is. So what are you gonna do with that word? Are we ready? Okay, so last week, again, what does it mean? What is the work that we do? We do the work of worship. Do you know why we worship? Because God is worthy. Jesus is worthy. We don't have to look much beyond our own lives to say, God, man, I could not thank you enough for all that you have done and all that you have given. Sometimes we get mad at God because we say, You didn't do that one thing that I wanted you to do, or something went bad, and why didn't you stop it? We get mad at Him. But if we were to look at all the good that we have that He has given that's come from His hand, we couldn't thank Him enough. So we struggle at times, but worship, worship. You know what the truest thing that you can ever say is? Jesus, you are worthy of all of my praise. There is no question about that statement. There are a lot of things we say in life. They can be questionable to various degrees, but there's no question. God, you are worthy of every breath I breathe that it would be just praise to you. That's absolutely true. We're in a world that is shouting that God is not worthy and we come and we do the work of worship because we're we're just counterbalancing all that people say God is not and we're here to say that God is, amen? That's the work. So we don't come in here hoping this band's gonna inspire us to praise somehow. We come in ready to do the work and to join them to give God the praise that he deserves he just deserves it. Second, we do the work of fellowship. We don't join C three groups because it's the thing that church does, and you know we don't get together and go out to dinners or lunches or you know have coffee together or connect during the week or give. Each. We don't do that stuff because that's just what we got to do. We do that because that's the work of fellowship. We need to know what it means to live together as the people of God and to be connected in our lives and to be the citizens of heaven together. We need to connect with each other so that we can, we live in a world that tears us down and will tear you down for following Jesus. They will, might take a while, but they'll get there. And we are the ones who come alongside each other and say, stay with it. Because he's worthy and this is a good thing. The kingdom's coming in because we're the church and he's called us. And there are people that need to know Jesus. And so we, we work at that, Right? You guys, I'm gonna tell you, we, we need other people that'll step up and say, you know what, I'd, I'd host a C3 group. I'd host a community group that just gets together. We talk together and we pray together and we share our lives together so that we can know one another so that we can be the church. We need some people to help out with that. And some of you guys are able to do that. We need some help there. We need people that will help with these C2 groups and this, this other thing because we also, we commit to discipleship, that process of God taking his word and through his Holy Spirit, shaping us and changing, it's like a, a hammer and chisel to a stone, shaping us to be that stone that fits just right into that temple that is God's own place and his own dwelling. We do that work, this work that we've done today, we wrestle with his word. We say, what does it mean for me? We do the work of prayer. Why do we do the work of prayer? Because you guys, I want you to hear this. When you walk into the spiritual realm or when you go before the throne of grace, or when you sewed up in, in the heavenly armor and you walk into the heavenly places and you take on spiritual authorities that are in opposition to God, when you walk into that place in Jesus' name, they know who you are. You know, at the beginning, you might walk into many places in this world that they don't care who you are, they don't know. But when you walk in in Jesus' name into those places, they know. And in prayer, when you walk into those places, they know who you are. And they know that when God's people pray, God listens and he answers and he moves. So we give ourselves to the work of prayer, work of prayer together. And then we also give ourselves to that work of going, Right? It's not just getting together and kind of cloistering, but going. Going why? Going to make God known, to make Jesus known, to let those know who were created, were determined from before time began, were were predetermined to be those who would be able to enter into this relationship with Jesus, to let them know what they were made for, and let them know who they are, and to do right, right? We go to do the right thing. Because there's a lot of wrong going on. And we go to do right, to do the work of the kingdom outside of this place and in the lives of others. Even though it brings a tear, it seems to tear things down, we do kindness, right? We we love others. Not not the way that the world says to love, but we love according to how God says to love. We do that work. That's the work we do. Why? Because we're the church. Who's the church? It's us fast. You've been called in Jesus? If you responded to to God when he made that offer to you, and you're the church. And this is what we do. Amen?